0: This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show, your
1: war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star and Frisco.
2: The Dallas Cowboys select TD
1: Lamb. Why it- oh, they took him! Now, your host, Kyle Yeomans. Oh, we are oh so close to the 2021 NFL Draft as we are just over 24 hours. Hey, you may be listening to this show, and it may be under 24 hours from the NFL Draft in Cleveland, Ohio, but we are just around the corner, and we are here as the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show on a special Wednesday edition to give you a roadmap to the 2021 NFL Draft, and that's the purpose of this show specifically is... You could have watched all 40 of our shows previously, or you, this could be the first show that you listen to, but you're going to know what's going on this weekend. It's going to be a fun time. We've got Brian Bratis, Jeff Cavanaugh. Bucky Brooks is on his way. He's got some TV duties to take care of early on, but Bucky uh, will be here in just a couple of moments. But. Brian, I mean it, it's right around the corner. Is it nervous time yet? Is it, it we talked about it about I think it was maybe last week about how you start getting into that nervous feel of the draft, but is it there yet? Is that is the, are those butterflies there?
3: Yeah, I think right now for the guys that it's uh it's a time where you, you, you become very reflective at this uh, moment. You know, you might sit in your office or kind of go back through your notes one more time. Maybe did you make a good enough point about a player to get him in the right spot? Uh, I know for a fact the pro guys are on the phone working with the other teams. You want to be- make sure that you check with them, say, hey, listen, we're open for business. If you guys want to come see us, we're interested in dropping down. You're just trying to throw some chum in the water right now and see who uh, who could come up, who could go back. But it is, it's a very reflective time because, like I said, I used to sit there myself and and just look at the board, and you just want to look at all those names, and you kind of visualize how this thing is going to come off. And, and if you can kind of get that in your mind, it'll better help you to when players start coming off and knowing where you need to be to get the player you want.
1: Jeff, have you taken an extra look at your notes? Have you have you decided to maybe put Ardarius Washington, the safety from TCU, up a couple more stop spots? Have it heading into tomorrow.
0: There's nowhere to go for Ardarius. He, you know, you <laughs> can't get any higher than safety one. So there's nowhere for my tiny man to go. My tiny man is right where he's going to be. And I tell you, that is the only part of it that is a little bit nerve wracking. Is when the way that you feel about a player is not the way that basically the rest of the world feels about a player. And you're just watching to see this play out where you're like, yep, smallest safety ever, giant outlier. The whole world's going to factor that in and pick him in the fifth round. And are you going to be that one guy that stands there and goes, no, I believe, and I am, I believe that we will win. Or Darius <laughs> and I, of course, yes.
3: You know what, I, I think what's really interesting about what Jeff has done, and, and I really do appreciate this about him, is the fact that he, he, you really don't want to get influenced. And we do get influenced. I, I'm not going to lie about that. There's, there's certain things that happen that you read, you see, you hear. I mean, I was out this morning. I talked to three different teams walking around, and you talk about you know hearing different approaches and stuff like that. But if you're one of those scouts that can put all that aside and have the belief that that player is going to be the best player, then I think that's a great trait and a great skill to have. Do you think that
1: scouts nowadays, especially with all the the technology and the ease of communication and just how just how simple it is to have that input, maybe invade your war room? Do you think it's harder nowadays for these scouts and these front offices to avoid being influenced on guys like Ardarius Washington?
3: Well, I know I could speak for experience really quickly here. The fact that the scouts have not been able to travel to these schools, because what happens is you might have five scouts at a particular school, and they travel from place to place with each other, and they see each other at these schools, and they talk. They talk about, hey, I saw this kid at Missouri. I saw this kid at TCU. I saw this kid. And you can get influenced by talking to your friends, guys you trust, gals you trust. You can not get influenced by, man, what am I not seeing in this guy? Or what are they not seeing? And the fact that the Scouts did not travel together this year might make for some interesting selections. we a little bit more of a pure Jeff Cavanaugh approach.
1: I like it. I think it's something that's a, that we'll the look at approach. moving in. What was that?
0: It's the ideal approach. The, the, I- uh, the uh, Jeff Cavanaugh approach that's is fair. probably the best way to draft everybody. I- so, yeah. I'm
1: sure the board across the hallway in the war room probably says the exact same thing that you have on yours, just because it's the Cap- Jeff Cavanaugh approach. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to set the stage here, though, and going off of what Brian just said, specifically about how there are going to be those conversations this year. and It's such a unique draft process with no combine, only the pro days to go by, and then even then, scouts were really unable to travel to as many pro days and to hit as many schools as you normally would. But... This is going to be an interesting draft where really a lot of us don't know what's going on. And, Jeff, I know specifically we've been talking about this for quite some time, but whenever tomorrow night rolls around, just how many surprises are going to be on that first-round board and then heading into the second because we just don't necessarily know what these front offices are thinking or maybe even the front offices don't know exactly what they're thinking.
0: Yeah, I think there will be plenty of surprises. I wonder what it will mean for movement in terms of how many teams are going to move around in the round. But yeah, I think we'll get plenty. Like there'll be names that we haven't mentioned too often as first rounders. I think that pop up as first rounders because it happens every year. And now, when you add in what Brian is talking about, where you don't have because I know what Brian was doing when he was a scout. Brian was over there hobnobbing and gossiping. Hey, what do you think about that LSU kid? <laughs> and he was, people are out there getting influenced. And now it's now I think it's pretty pure. And I also think when Jerry mentioned at the presser. That you know these scouts haven't seen these players as much as usual, so it's not just that you're not influenced. It's also that like in this organization and every organization is different. But in this one, Jerry Jones is going to listen to a lot of different people. And how much is he going to listen to his coaches, considering that his scouts he may not feel have as good a feeling on players because mm-hmm. they haven't been around them as much. So I think every organization is going to be different, and I think we'll hear. Uh, probably four or five names that you go, oh, okay, in the first round, and we'll see how it plays out. But the hay's in the barn, baby. Like yeah. butterflies, get the butterflies out of here. It's party time. This is go time.
3: Well, the, I think the thing, that and where Jeff is right about this, is that there's people out there right now that are telling me that this is not a traditional draft. And when they talk about traditional drafts, it's like, defensive tackles, defensive ends. You know, we've had receivers up there. You have all these quarterbacks up there. This is just not a traditional way it's going to go. And I I totally agree. Everybody believes that they are going to be those wow picks that are going to happen. And, you know, and we need to be ready for that. I I talked to a guy this morning, too, that was doing a mock draft where he was basically, he'd thrown up his hands. He's like, listen, I'm going to miss the third pick at San Francisco. It's going to be completely wrong. And I'm like going, do a mock draft where you just trade everybody. I go, if you, if you have some type of, you know, you have a better chance of talking about moving around and grabbing players, you know, and maybe being right as you do saying what San Francisco is going to do at three, what Atlanta is going to do at four, what, you know, what Detroit's going to do at seven. You have a better chance of just kind of talking about chaos, potential chaos, as you do to picking that thing chalk and being somewhat right.
1: Oh, and I love that conversation because we started to have it yesterday, Brian, on our second-round mock draft, which, by the way, we did a first-round and second-mock mock draft. Just for those of you at home who have not listened to that yet, you can go back on iTunes and listen to it. But you mentioned the crossroads yesterday, and there are a ton of crossroads that could happen at the third pick and the fourth pick of this draft because you've got the Jaguars and the Jets. That's pretty much going to be chalk, or at least we think so. Trevor Lawrence to the Jags, and then we have Zach Wilson pretty much chalked in there with the Jets. If that's the case, that's the case. If not, then even two could be a crossroads. But then the 49ers, where are they going to go at quarterback? Is it going to be Trey Lance, Justin Fields, or is it going to be Mac Jones? Following that pick, where do the Falcons go? Kyle Pitts is then in the conversation along with two other quarterbacks. But this is a draft, Brian, because of the non traditional side of it, could go completely different directions than those that the media are even talking about or different directions from front offices are even thinking about.
3: Yeah, teams are preparing a couple different scenarios. If Kyle Pitts is taking it four, the draft is going to go one direction, they feel. If Atlanta takes a quarterback, the draft is going in a whole nother different direction. So uh, this is unique. It, usually when you get to the top of a board, you can maybe get the first five or six picks in a row and have an idea of, okay, this is how this thing is going to play out. Uh, I think if you're a Cowboy fan, you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, if Dallas is locked in on taking a corner, if that's if that's the direction that they're going to go, they're, they're in a little bit of a bind. Because, again, I've talked to eight different people yesterday and around the league that all believe that Sertan is going to be the pick. But they couldn't guarantee that Sertan was going to be there for me. They were saying, hey, if Sertan's there – but they also believe that Joe Horn, J.C. Horn, is uh, is, a, is a possibility too. But they don't believe that Horn is going to be there, and that's why they gave the Cowboys certain. So you know the the Cowboys are a little bit maybe of the mercy of the board. What happens at Detroit at seven? With could they move? What happens at Carolina at eight? Mm-hmm. And you know I, I'm kind of thinking Denver's going to stand there and pick. But there's some teams that could back out of there that could really affect the way the Cowboys could possibly lose maybe both their guys that they were that they wanted to, and then that would take them into a whole another direction.
1: Jeff, go ahead and outline that that worst case scenario. What would it take for the Cowboys to be wiped out at ten? If let's say both Horn and Sertan are off the board whenever their pick comes around?
0: Well, and this you know this is based on how I see the players and not necessarily the Cowboys because I'm not even sure on how the Cowboys are viewing this. When Jerry yesterday said that he, they viewed the opt-outs as compromised, I was like, well, I don't. Like, Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater, those are guys that I'm incredibly interested in. So, you know, my um, scenario where I think that you're wiped out of the guys that I would really like to pick at 10 is Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn are gone. Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater are gone. Kyle Pitts is gone. So you lose those five, and then you put four other quarterbacks in, and now you're on the clock. Um, but it just it really, no matter how it goes, it opens up a different opportunity that maybe the fan base would be weirded out by. But, I mean, I would just look at it and be like, oh, man, this is very strange. The best players available all play wide receiver. What are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> are we, are we going to take Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddell here? Uh, which I, I would because they're the best players. But it also opens up the possibility that somebody's calling for the fifth quarterback and you can move down. But that is, I think, the, the wipeout scenario is you lose both top corners, both top offensive linemen, and Kyle Pitts.
1: How likely is that scenario,
3: Brian? Well, I'll tell you what, just talking to folks around the league, it, there's, a, there's a lot of love for Horn and there's a lot of love for Sertan. And, you know, we, we – Jeff – Talked about those quarterbacks. You know, we all love Pitts as a player. Uh, he's right that, that that if if you if you get a situation where Carolina say okay say Carolina takes uh, okay say that uh, Philadelphia gets to uh, Detroit at seven and they end up taking Sertan and then you turner and then all of a sudden Carolina takes. Horn, who they absolutely love, I know that for a fact, coming from their war room.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You're in trouble right now. That, that's trouble for you, if in fact that you're holding on both those corners. So you know, you gotta hope that maybe one of those offensive linemen there would, would be there, if that's the case, or would they take uh, a Parsons? You know, that probably would be, I think, the the, the case. I, I, I get the I get the hint. They only player on their board again this I and mean, then this has gone back and forth you know you hear some so much positivity about uh sewell and i am hearing that sewell is the only guy and i heard last week that well hey they they really liked uh slater but sewell seems to be now the only guy the only offensive guy on that board other than Pitts, hmm. that they would take over maybe one of those corners that they were on the board
1: what would you do on your board? Because I know you're pretty high on Slater as well. And, and of course, Sewell, not likely to fall. I mean, he, I mean he could go either to five at Cincinnati or to the Dolphins at six. I mean, he could go either one of those and then uh, a slew of teams behind there in between them and the Cowboys. But it, where would you rank those guys if you had your five picks? And I'll ask Jeff to, to follow up with his five as well.
3: Well, I, I think the way, the way I would... You're talking about me, or do I? You know yeah, how I think you. it's going to roll out. I, I want your picks. Yeah, I, I. Me personally, though, the top five players I have on my board, I've got. If you just because I've, I've ranked them from one to uh, 190, mm-hmm. I have Lawrence, Pitts, Sewell, Chase, and Fields as my top five guys. But is it going to go? That, I mean, no. I mean, you get you think about the teams and stuff like that. But I. Me, personally, like I said, I, I, I'm i totally on board with, you know, if they get in a situation where that they they have to take Parsons, I understand that. But me, personally, Lawrence, Pitts, Sewell, Chase, Fields, those would be my top five guys in my rankings right now.
0: If you're trying to put, Kyle, I think you want, in order, the five non-quarterbacks that, sure. and how you That'll work. pick them at 10. I'm cool with the that. that you, okay, because, like, my – the, the way that I would order the guys that I'm interested in for the Cowboys is Kyle Pitts, one, Rashawn Slater, two, Panay Sewell, three, uh, and then JC Horn, four, Patrick Sertan, five. So it's, you know, it's it, I think the Cowboys want it to work out where one of those corners make it, but one of those corners will be the fourth and fifth options for me. I, I really like the offensive players in this draft above those corners.
1: And. Jerry even talked about it yesterday. Don't be stupid with your needs. I mean, that was one of the biggest quotations taken out of the entire pre-draft press conference, which, by the way, you can listen to on DallasCowboys.com. But he talked about it. Don't be stupid with your needs. Take what's there. Take what the board lets you do. And, Brian, you've been very adamant about this in past drafts and from things that I've heard from you in the past about just let the board fall to you. If the board falls to the Cowboys, there's a very good chance that there's an offensive player available or Micah Parsons and not necessarily these corners. Where would you go if that's the case, and why it, Why is Micah Parsons just kind of an afterthought at this point?
3: Well, I, I think that there's questions you have to ask about Michael Parsons. Is the the character stuff, the off the field stuff? If you're comfortable with 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 his story, if you're comfortable with talking with Penn State people, if you're comfortable with visiting this guy, you know you got to make sure that this player, the, the ability. There's no question about the ability. You just got to make sure that you're totally comfortable with, is this the type of player, as we're trying to rebuild culture and stuff like that in the locker room, that we really want to have in there? Are there immaturity questions? If that's the case and all that, I don't think you want the player. I, I think Jeff's absolutely right about this. To me, the, the, the offensive side of the board is, at least in the first round, is clearly better than what's going on. And, and I, if I know I have nine other picks that I could potentially make Taking an offensive player at ten is not a terrible idea, you know. And and I, I appreciate Jerry saying yesterday, hey, don't don't get caught up in the needs and all that stuff. You know, keep an open mind about that. And I I, I appreciate that about it, Jeff.
0: So who you would take in that kind of Wipeout scenario? No, not even that I'm
1: uh, I'm more of talking about Micah Parsons here, and and why would You rather take an offensive player than Micah Parsons outside of The the fact that he does fit a Semi-need for you at the Cowboys at this point
0: Well, To me it is a um, Because we're making exceptions for certain players here Because to me you just You factor in positional value in the NFL And Mm -hmm. linebacker exists Somewhere in the same sphere as Running back and tight end And safety somewhere towards the bottom of the Totem pole and I make an exception For Kyle Pitts because I think Kyle Pitts is an Incredibly clean prospect with So much superstar potential that's literally Getting better and better With Micah Parsons, when I go, okay, Kyle Pitts I'll make an exception for even though it's not a, quote, valuable position because I think it's a unique opportunity to become one of three teams in the NFL that's a mismatch nightmare along with San Francisco and Kansas City with Kelsey and Kittle. With Michael Parsons at a lower-value position, then you throw in question marks, then you throw in the opt-out. So I haven't seen the growth as a player. It's just enough there that I want nothing to do with that position at number 10 overall. So like I'll make an exception for a, quote, not valuable position and be comfortable with that risk. I just I wouldn't do it with Parsons.
3: Would there be another? Yeah,
0: the thing that was, I was told just
3: – well, let me just real quick, Kyle. Mm-hmm. The thing that's interesting about Pitts – is and, it's, and, and, and this, I think, was the best. I had a guy in the league explain this to me about Pitts, and we all love Pitts, but think of Pitts this way. This guy said to me, he's like, listen, Pitts is the type of weapon that we all now fear at quarterback of a quarterback that can run and throw. You know, Pitts scores points. He goes, defenses fear the quarterback that can run and throw. That makes defenses have to play a totally different style. Pitts is one of those guys that has that ability. If you if you fear the quarterback that can run and throw, you should also fear a type of player like Pitts, who could come in, could score, and put your defense in a lot of stress.
1: I was specifically about Kyle Pitts. There's not necessarily a huge chance that he falls, but you're talking about the exception to the rule, and I I completely agree with what Jeff just said a moment ago, but Micah Parsons is not that exception to the rule. Are there any other guys in this draft outside of Kyle Pitts or maybe Micah Parsons that could be considered in that category with maybe an edge rusher, a defensive tackle? No. You
0: know, edge rushers – you know, because to me, when we're talking about exceptions, we're talking about the quote lower positional value ones. True. And so, no, they don't exist. Like, there's not a uh, an Aaron Donald type at defensive tackle. Edge is different because that is a premium position, but the players just aren't there. Trying to put those players in order is such a challenge. My top edge guy is Aziz Ajalari out of Georgia, and now there's Scuttlebutt out there and Rumorowski's out there that maybe he's getting flagged medically on a leg, on a knee. Uh, Jalen Phillips, Miami pass rusher is my second best edge rusher. He's gonna be medically flagged in multiple ways. Yeah. Uh, so there's not a clean edge prospect. there's not a defensive tackle that belongs up there. There's not a safety that belongs up there unless you're calling Jeremiah Wusu Coromoa safety. Um, it's just it's it's such a bizarro class and I love it.
3: Yeah, let me throw another thing out there too. People are talking about Barmore at Alabama as a guy that needs to be babysit. So all of a sudden, you know, you're in a situation now where they're having Alabama does a great job of making sure that their players are taken care of. They get the class and all that stuff. But I was hearing some some talk last night that, like, listen, you really have to babysit Barbour to get him to do things. You know, that that's something I don't want to hear. So yeah, I mean, all these defensive guys at the top of the board, there's something that that there's that one flag that makes you think well, heck, maybe I need to take this offensive guy and then figure out everything at 44 and 75 and and the other picks that you have.
0: And that, Kyle, is the appeal of Patrick Sertan to the Cowboys and so many other teams. Lack of questions. Yeah. That is the massive appeal of Patrick Sertan.
1: And you add that to the athleticism, you add that to the tape. There's a lot of reasons why Patrick Sertan at 10 makes a ton of sense. He's a he's a top 10 caliber corner. Just bar none. And then you add in the fact that there are no question marks. I think that's what's exciting about it overall. I completely agree with what you just said. Now, the Cowboys do have 10 picks outside of top 10 uh, questions, as like we've talked about really throughout this entire first segment. But we will hit some of those coming up later on in the show. When we come back, it's Twitter on the 20. Could the Cowboys – Drop back in the draft, and if they do, could they still be targeting a specific corner? We'll talk about that when we return on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show.
4: Something happens when we can't be our true selves. You can hear it in our laughs. There's the half-hearted chuckle. <laughs> oh, the courtesy conference caller. <laughs> yeah, great. And of course, the I'm only laughing because I'm dating your daughter. <laughs> oh, that's so true. If you want to laugh for real. Try having some Miller Lite with some friends. It works. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin Beer. Before there was a draft,
1: you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim,
3: and his unbending attitude. A man's Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit.
0: This is the
4: DallasCowboys.com
1: Draft Show. Back here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show, Kyle Yeomans, Jeff Cavanaugh Brian Broaddus. We will soon have Bucky Brooks joining us at any waking moment from his NFL Network duties. But before he does, we've got to get into some Twitter on the twenty. On the 20. There it is. Okay, I had to wait a little bit longer that time. That's okay. Chris Beam has got a lot going on in the back. He's the one doing the graphics, he's on, doing Chris. the videos, he's doing the sounders, he's doing everything. So, huge shout out to Chris Beam running the show in the back. The first question is the one that I teased with heading into the break, and this comes from JD on Twitter. And JD says, If cornerbacks fall off the board in front of you, kind of like how we talked about in that first segment, could you move back to 15 or even a little bit later in the draft? And if you, if they do, could the Cowboys take a guy like Greg Newsom II out of Northwestern, or would they completely pivot to a completely new position? Jeff, we'll start with you on this one.
0: Yeah, I think that's what you build the board for, you know. That's what Brian's going to have his top 190 in order for is – my initial thought at pick number 10 is that we're looking at somebody like J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan or Rashawn Slater or Panay Sewell or Kyle Pitts. Then, if you got to number 10 and that's not available, uh, which I don't think will happen because I think Jamar Chase is going somewhere, so one of those guys will be there, but in the scenario where they're not and you can find a way to move back, Captain Trade down loves to ride. Mm. Nothing makes me happier than acquiring more top 50 picks. So if you moved back to 15, you just shift down your board a few spots and you go, OK, I am looking at Jalen Waddell and Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith. I've got three receivers that I really like still. I am looking at Elijah Vera Tucker, the USC offensive lineman. I am looking at Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, the Notre Dame linebacker slash safety. And I am looking at Greg Newsom. I'm just following my grades down the board. So I'm looking at I've still got a crop of guys that I like: three receivers, an O lineman, a linebacker/slash safety, and one corner. So yeah, I can work my way down the board that way and still have my targets in mind. Yeah, you
3: absolutely can. And I think that if you even there, I have a, a couple of different pockets of on my board. I know, and I, I'm sure the Cowboys kind of in that same uh, realm. You know where's Farley going to fall? We talk about Newsom, Samuel, Joseph, Stokes. I mean, I could just keep naming cornerbacks if you want. You know, you if you back up and you get to where you're at 15, you're at 18, you're at 21. I I, I still think you could grab a cornerback if that's the if that's the case. If you're really looking for a linebacker, that kid at Kentucky, that Jamon Davis. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm just telling you, if you back up and you get him. Yeah, that, that'll make you feel good about your, your prospects at linebacker if you're interested. We, you know, we talked about Bolton was another guy at Missouri. There will be names on that board if they back up that they will feel comfortable with. And that's the reason why you would go back if you have that pocket some names that, they could, uh, that you could grab one of those guys from.
1: I feel like you have to be comfortable with a certain amount of guys there. I mean, it depends on how far you back you go. If there's seven guys, you could go back ten picks and feel pretty good about where you're going to fall. If you only feel good about two guys, yeah. then you might as well stay put and pick between the two of them, and there's a good chance that either one of those things ends up happening, Brian.
3: Yeah, if, if you get, get Sertan or Horn on that board when you're up at ten, you need to make that pick. Make the pick. That that needs to be. That needs to make your pick. And if if not, then and you can find a way to back up. And you and you have all those names that I just talked about. Jeff just talked about. You'll be just fine doing that too.
1: You know, and it's funny that this is kind of the topic that we've led into because this is a great question from Todd Mack, and it's directly addressed to Brian. He said, what what was it about DeMarcus Ware that had scouts pounding the table against Parcells and his coaching staff against Merriman, and do you see anything similar happening in this great debate that we've had throughout the draft process between J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan?
3: Well, you know, it's not, and and this is something that I was told, and and I know when Jeff and I do radio every afternoon from 2 to 7 on 105.3 The Fan, when we talk about this stuff, you know, it is like, okay, scouts lined up here, coaches lined up here. I was told, a guy said, hey, listen, I, I heard what you're talking about there. He goes, to be honest with you, we've got some coaches that like Sertan. We've got some scouts that like horn. Mm. So it's not completely uh, coaches versus scouts in their room right now. There is a – they're going to have to come to a consensus right there. The thing with Ware was when, when we the, – the, Ware was one of those guys it's cliché to say he just checked off all the boxes. When we started talking about the clean player – the player with the ability, the the, flo- the the ceilings and the floors, all those things that everybody likes to talk about. Where was that guy? He the scouts, every scout that was banging the table for him, were, were just like, listen, this guy is the character, the traits, the ability. His the best is best is ahead of him, you know. And and Parcells saw like Merriman more of a ready player now. This is my guy now, but he had more character questions. So there you go. Coaches sometimes they don't care about the character. Coaches care about the player, and scouts are like, "Well, give me the clean player that is going to not bust, and we're not going to have to worry about him." So,
0: not that- every scout, Brian. You were a scout. And I know darn well you. You didn't need him to be a clean player. You're like he's good <laughs> at football. The end. I
3: I I tend I tend to go. I'm just telling scouts in general. I tend to go to give me the guy that I feel like is the best player and to me i saw what the scouts i was working at pro personnel for the cowboys in 2005 i saw what the scouts saw watching that troy tape i'm 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 like okay that's it i get it i see why guys are fighting for this particular player I
1: love that conversation. I really do because there's going to be crossroads like we've talked about with picks ahead of the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are going to have crossroads whenever 10 rolls around because you can improve this team in a number of different directions. And it's not just two paths on those crossroads. We're talking about like 15 different paths that you could potentially go, and that's what makes things interesting whenever Thursday night rolls around. So sticking with Thursday night before we move on to a later – uh, later draft question, but Troy asked, should we want, as the Dallas Cowboys, five quarterbacks to go in the top nine so you have more options to pick at 10, or would you want one of those quarterbacks like Mac Jones or Trey Lance to fall to 10 so that way you can have a tradeback scenario and load up on picks? Jeff, I know you're Mr. Crap, Captain trade down, so I'll let Brian add to this question first.
3: Yeah, I, I, I would rather I'd rather all the quarterbacks be there, and then let me pick the guy I want at ten. And then if I want to move around in the second or third or fourth round, that's where I want to move around. I, I feel like that if you give me the opportunity to take the best defensive players on my board, then I'm going to I'm going to take that opportunity. So give me all five quarterbacks being gone. Let's
0: this guy, this guy, Brian. Let's Brian. I can take Kyle. I got to tell you, Kyle. I want all the receivers to go, tight ends, offensive line like push both the corners down and but leave me one quarterback. Let me flip back cuz I I do have a wild dream. And my wild dream is can I find a way to get Horner Sertan to 15?
4: Ooh. You know what I'm
0: saying? Add a pick and get but it's not realistic. So Brian has the right answer and the smart answer, <laughs> but as a, as a man, as a man with a brand, of cap and trade down I would like to have something there that gives me that ability if I want to do it but the smarter play is get five quarterbacks out of here and send either Sewell or Pitts or my corners send them on down here and let's go ahead and make a good pick
3: well what if you were in a situation that, what if you were at the mercy the fifth quarterback that gets to you is the one that nobody wants that's that's the that's mm. the thing I would worry about if it was me. If it's if it's not the right guy now, if it ends up being Lance or you know our Ohio State kid Fields, somebody will probably want that guy. But is somebody going to want to trade up for Mac Jones if Mac Jones somehow gets down you know to you at ten? I, I don't I, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. I mean I I think some teams would say, listen, if he got to us, we'd be happy to take him. But I don't know if anybody's willing to put the draft capital ahead to go for a guy. If you have, if you had the wrong quarterback sitting there at ten for you, And,
0: Jeff, I you said tell it. You guys, go for it, Jeff. You know, I just, I need to get this. I need to get this in, Kyle. I got to find a suit jacket. You know, Kyle. has think- got the nice button up on. Bucky is swinging in, fully suited oh, and goodness. ready for draft war here. I got, <laughs> I got to find something with a collar. I gotta do something here. I gotta do something. Hey Bucky, where's your tie? I need you to put that tie on, man. Well, I mean, I,
3: I can't have. I need to. If you got a button, you might as well be wearing a tie right now. Nah, uh, you know, I'm just sitting here trying to trying to make do, trying to figure it all out. You know, just trying to figure it all out. I want. To,
2: I want to get in on the conversation because I know you guys are are, are doing all kinds of crazy conversation and chatter. So I just want to make sure that I at least got in on the conversation to see if I can add some levity to it. Add some levity to it. <laughs> okay, I'll ask you the same question that Troy asked
1: us here on Twitter on the 20. He said, should we want five quarterbacks in the top nine or would you rather have one of those quarterbacks fall to you so that way you have trade options as opposed to having just more players to pick from specifically if you're the Dallas Cowboys at 10?
2: No, get all the quarterbacks out of the way because then it means a good player is going to be sitting there for you at 10. Um, like training out or whatever is, 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 is nice in terms of picking picks and, and getting picks or whatever, but I'd rather get the player. And so if those quarterbacks go early, because some of those guys are going to be overdrafted, I mean, this means the board is going to be wide open. Uh, whether it's an offensive tackle, whether it's one of the corners that you want, um, no one wants the linebacker, but all of that will be sitting there. So then you have more options.
1: I like it. And, and Jeff, you said specifically in your or your answer to that question that it's unlikely that J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan falls to 15. I mean, we did a mock draft two days ago, and in that mock draft he fell to 16 in the Cardinals, so I don't think it's necessarily out of the question. Sure, it's unlikely, but it definitely could happen with the way that things line up. I think J.C. Horn is too good of a player to fall to 16, but hey, if all five quarterbacks go, if some of those wide receivers go on a run, it's not out of the question that, uh, that J.C. Horn could fall even in a trade back scenario. So Bucky, it's great timing that you uh, that you popped on this show because I, I had this question teed up and just so happens that you popped on just in time. So Kenny Swisher asked this question on Twitter. He said I have two questions but the first one is with Keona Neal on the contract, a short contract as a safety slash linebacker hybrid how would you rate Chaz Surratt, the linebacker out of North Carolina, as a long-term option in that spot? So, Bucky, I'll let you start off with your Tar Heel, a guy you talked about whenever the Senior Bowl rolled around.
2: No, I think in the second or third round, I think Chaz Surratt could be in play. Uh, when you look at his game and you look at the athleticism and what he brings to the table, uh, he, he would qualify, he would fit. The big thing is he's only played linebacker for a little over a year, two years Of experience he's fast and dynamic and athletic but there's still gonna be some growing pains when it comes to him with some of the reason those things that's it he is going to add athleticism and speed to the second level and when we think about being a nickel 70% of the game he is a better option to be on the field than Jalen Smith being on the field down in down out against those teams that pass a lot
1: Wow, Chaz Surratt is a better option than Jalen Smith in nickel formations, Brian. I mean, that, because he can cover, that makes a lot of sense. What do you think about Chaz Surratt and what he could fit into that role?
3: Yeah, I think the thing with Surrat and and I, I have to give the kid a lot of credit and, and I want to give the North Carolina program a lot of credit. I know Bucky, I bust on Bucky a lot about those about North Carolina, but I really do it out of respect. And <laughs> you know, this guy is going to be to me when I watch him play, I see a really good athlete, but I see a guy that needs to, to play on the move. If you watch the Virginia Tech game, they got bodies on him. You know, And that that bothered me a little bit. But he's going to have to learn. He's going to have to learn how to to play with his hands, how to disengage, how to quickly see and go and read and all that. But I, I will say this, though. You can watch him, just like Bucky was talking about, you can watch him in the Clemson game play offhand, knock the ball away, be in coverage. Jeff's talked about that a bunch, too. We've talked about it with Cox. Give me the guys that can cover... I'll teach him to play the run, and then we'll worry about those other things later. But if you can cover, that's a really a great trade to have. Surratt could be that kind of guy there. We will need to work on playing the run a little bit.
2: Jeff? Uh, I mean, that's that's the Yeah, it's really
0: interesting. I think with... Him, um, it's one of those guys that on tape I sort of struggled with him. Like, you can definitely see the athleticism, but I think there's also a rawness to his ability to play linebacker, which makes sense because I believe he's only played it for two years of his entire life. So, to me, that is a guy where it's just a matter of I think every team is going to like him on some level. It's just a matter of where do you project that you would pick him because like, I, I think there's some development that you've got to do there. So it's, it's just a matter of where do you pull the trigger on that. And for me, it's, he's more of a third or fourth round guy than he is any earlier than that. But I think he is you know that athleticism, a guy who's a former quarterback. So you think you know, you've got this football intelligence, you've got the athletic ability, um, you've got some ability in coverage, and coverage, and we can keep growing that. And if he's a special teams guy, then I think that that's a dude that brings value to a football team.
3: Yeah, if if I was going for a guy real quick, if I was going for a guy that, like that, uh, an outside linebacker type of a coverage guy, I would, and, and 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 not in the first round. Pete Warner from Ohio State is a guy that I would I would yeah. think that could play that type of role for you, could be on the field for some uh, some run defense, but also could cover. He's a former strong safety, has some of those kinds of traits that you like.
2: Not a bad name, not a bad name to bring up. Uh, you know, it's funny because. It's that tweener position that you're looking for, that hybrid safety linebacker that can make plays and stay on the field and passing downs. And so which guys offer that versatility? Uh, Because the Cowboys have to be a faster defense to be a better defense.
1: And maybe the fact that Surratt has only played the linebacker spot for a couple of years and, of course, switching over from quarterback, that kind of adds to the fact that well, he was instantly good at the position. I mean, he instantly moved over the linebacker, and he was an all-ACC caliber player. Does that mean that he, he's already hitting his ceiling, or does that mean he's got that longevity that where he can grow at the position? I tend to lean toward the second option. So that kind of intrigues me a little bit more. And this goes along with another question asked by Richard Perry on Twitter, and we'll, we'll round out the segment with this. But with Sean Lee retiring, How much emphasis does that add in maybe picking up a mid-round linebacker? It doesn't have to be Micah Parsons at 10 or Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. It it could be one of these later-round linebackers, these day-two, day-three guys that can make an impact. But uh, Surratt's one of those names. Werner's one of those names. I know Nick Bolton has been thrown around. But are there other guys there, Bucky, that where you look at the linebacker spot, the Cowboys could certainly benefit?
2: Yeah, I think linebacker has to be some a position that you look at not only just because the uncertainty around LVE and what happens with the long-term contract, whether the fifth-year option or beyond, um, but just the way the game is evolving. You have to have speed and sideline-to-sideline side playmakers. Um, you have to do it. I am intrigued though because like Nick Bolton has kind of lost some of the momentum. People don't talk about him as much. Jamen Davis has kind of sucked up the air in the room when it comes to linebacker. But make no mistake, the Missouri kid can play. And, man, he makes a ton of plays. And so, I don't know. Like Linebackers are kind of like that, that one position that's hard to peg when it comes to where they're going to go. But I certainly would keep my eye on him because he's a difference maker.
1: Brian, he's talked about uh, Nick Bolton and Jamon Davis. I mean, these are two guys kind of flip-flopping in that, that, that realm of players in that second round. Do you have any other guys there that the linebacker spot could – Definitely add to the room here in the Cowboys.
3: Yeah, I think that. Don't focus on Sean Lee leaving. Focus on the fact, like Bucky says, Leighton Vanderish and Jalen Smith did not play very well. You know, and and don't worry about Sean Lee. Worry about your starting linebackers. That's that's a cause for concern even going forward, right there. So, I you know I want to. There's a couple different guys that I want to talk about though that with. And, and And it was interesting. and I don't know if my guys have had a chance to see uh, any of these guys as well. the The McGrown kid. Uh, from uh, Cameron McGrome from uh, Michigan, Michigan would be a guy that I would like to, yeah, to like to talk about. I think Patrick Johnson, uh, the kid from Tulane, is kind of a rush in, but maybe could be an outside linebacker for you. is right there. We mentioned like Jabril Cox and, and people like that. I, I I know that's something you know. Monty Rice was a guy at Georgia uh, of a name I threw out there uh, during a mock draft that we did but I, I you know I, I just think there's there's some guys out there that are clearly you know that those types of players that we really really like, but they're not that top first round type guys. they're just really steady, they're athletic, they're hitters, they run well the, if the Cowboys are looking for those guys that we had just mentioned, that that could be a, a, a real uh, I think a real uh, one of those picks. You look back and say, "Oh man, they hit on a guy. They really hit on a guy with that film." On a lot of those guys is really really good.
0: Jeff, uh, yeah, I think with linebackers uh, in the NFL, I love what Bucky is saying about how important it is to have speed and coverability. And I think you have to be able to go one of two ways as a linebacker: either you have that, or you can rush the passer. So mm-hmm. like, I think that's why the name Zavin Collins was hot for a while to the Cowboys if they did some weird moving around towards the end of the first round somewhere, the Tulsa linebacker, because I think he's a really good pass rusher. Um, and then it, as you're going down your board and you're looking in later rounds, whether you're talking third through fifth or sixth round, a couple of guys we haven't mentioned that, at least to me, are fairly interesting. Well, I mean, there's a lot of them, right? Baron Browning earlier in the draft, but as yeah. you get later on, I actually kind of like Derrick Jones, linebacker out of um, – or Ernest Jones, I'm sorry. Ernest Jones out of South Carolina. I think he's an interesting guy. And then if you're going full-blown developmental, there's a dude at Purdue named Derrick Barnes. Oh, that's that's the one. Yeah. There
3: you go. That's a great one to mention. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think there's good – there's interesting players that can develop or step in and play a certain role anywhere from rounds like – I don't know, Ernest Jones. Maybe he goes as high as the third. Maybe you're talking about the fourth. And but you know, as you're getting into day three, I think there's still really interesting players at linebacker at edge. I, I I really like the depth of this draft. I don't love the top of it, but I like the depth of it.
3: I tell you, I love the yes, fact sir? that Jeff mentioned Derek Barnes because he's in that group of that shorter linebacker. When you watch him play, but I'll tell you what, this guy can close it down when he's running the when he's trying to run down that ball. He's really good. If you get him in space, he makes a ton of plays. He's a wrap-up tackler. I mean, there's times where they used him off the edge as a rusher, and he was able to attack the pocket. So, yeah, if Dan Quinn playing with the shorter linebackers that can run, that Derek Barnes from Purdue is a really, really good name to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's funny
2: because I think you guys are are, are talking about where – where do the Cowboys go fishing? Do they go fishing early, first or second round? Or are they willing to take a chance on the developmental uh, player? The one thing that really will make it work, I want to see what Dan Quinn is going to do when it comes to his development program. When he was with the Falcons, they had a thing called the Plan D program where 10 to 15 minutes after practice every day, the coaches would spend time with the young guys developing them. You add that up over the course of a week, Man, you talk about minutes upon minutes and hours upon hours of developing those guys so they could play the last six games of the season. Do the Cowboys begin to implement some of that? Because if they do, then I'm more confident in taking the developmental guy because you're giving them the time and the attention to allow them to develop instead of just giving it lip service and saying, oh, this is my late-round guy, he's going to develop, but then we don't really give him a chance to develop.
1: We saw that last year with Reggie Robinson at the cornerback spot. Not necessarily a linebacker, but at corner, we said, hey, we're going to move him to safety. He was a fourth-round pick. He'll be fine. We're going to develop him. And then he sees one snap throughout the entire 2020 season. Very frustrating. (laughs) Very frustrating for draft nerds out there who really liked Reggie Robinson coming out of Tulsa and what he could do at the corner spot. Hopefully, he's back there in 2021. But you're right. If they're going to pick up a developmental linebacker, they're going to have to invest in that developmental linebacker, whether it's a guy like Derek Barnes out of Purdue or maybe a Pete Werner out of Ohio State. There are names there. You just got to pick them and then you got to invest them when that time comes around. Okay, we're going to take our second break. When we come back, final predictions. What will happen on Thursday and Friday as the NFL draft is closing in on just 24 hours away when we return here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show
3: king we are blending goodness to fuel your greatness every blend is crafted to help you achieve your health and fitness goals Smoothie King uses only whole fruits and organic veggies. You'll never find sugary syrups or artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. And unlike some other smoothie places, there are zero grams of added sugar in many of our blends. Smoothie King is proud to be the official smoothie of the Dallas Cowboys. Place your order in the app or online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King rule the day.
4: There are many ways to say Miller Lite has more taste and only one more calorie than Michelob Ultra. You could say it with your show choir buddies that. You're your high school reunion. Is taste <laughs> tasting, only than make a low ball <laughs> only <one more> <gasps> is taste However you say it It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Beer for 12 full ounces. Miller Light, 96 calories, 3.2 carbs. Michelob Ultra, 95 calories, 2.6 carbs. Taste test performed by Institute for Perception, February 2018.
0: RV shoppers, you're invited to the DFW RV Party. Presented by Funtown RV. May 20th through May 23rd. Live music, free parking, free admission, and hundreds of RVs. Come party with Funtown, Rowdy, the Cowboy Cheerleaders. To crank this party up a notch, we're offering huge discounts on RVs from top brands like
1: Forest River, Heartland, and more. Plus, you'll find amazing door prices like stadium tours, camping grills, and the first thousand kids each
0: day get a free fishing pole. It's all happening May 20th through May third inside at&t stadium home of the dallas cowboys the dfw rv party presented by FunTown rv visit dfwrvparty.com for details new dr pepper zero sugar you deserve it i do deserve that you deserve decadent flavor without sugar and a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt.
4: I deserve all that?
0: It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor
4: on the radio. I do deserve that.
0: Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here.
4: This
0: is the DallasCowboys.com draft show.
1: Oh, I love the draft show. This is so much fun. Even in the middle of the break, we're laughing and cutting it up, and Bucky Brooks did not put on a tie. Instead, he actually took the jacket off, Jeff. He's getting loose as we get into the final nine minutes of the draft show.
0: It's very Roger Goodell. From like what if we had one more segment? I think Bucky would be shirtless. Adele started in a suit in his basement, and by the end of it, he had like a whiskey and a cigar and a old dirty t-shirt on. I love it. That
1: was that was an all timer last year. I mean, and that's the thing is we're gonna have an, another all time moment again this year, but we just don't know what it's going to be. That was the best one. Was by the time he was done, he was just kicking his feet up and just. Read the draft picks from his chair, and and then Dave Portnoy wins a uh, dinner with him, and then it's just a a whole mess after that. But we've got some predictions to make here on the draft show. These gentlemen will not be on our day one coverage of the NFL draft. Instead, you can catch Brian and Jeff. On 105.3 the fan uh, Brian. Real quickly, just kind of go through what y'all's plans are uh, for your draft coverage on Thursday. Of course, we will have our own draft co- coverage on on Thursday, and then we will combine the two for a hodgepodge of draft insiderness on Friday and Saturday. But tell us what we could hear from on the fan on Friday
4: or yeah, Thursday.
3: It'll be Jeff trying to get. Yeah, it'll be Jeff trying to get the best wide receiver to the Cowboys at ten. That's what that's what the whole show will be about. No, it's uh, the, it, the Man, coverage.
0: This offense with Jalen Waddle, bro. Yeah,
3: wow. there we go. Jeff, Jeff will just kind of <laughs> Jeff will be no, but the, no, it, it, it it it'll be a lot like what's going on with dot com. You know, it's that you know, we've studied these players. It's not just about the Cowboys. It's about all these players we're going to talk about hey what happens ahead of them at detroit what happens ahead at atlanta you know as you get past you know it, we'll, we'll be able to kind of cover the first round like it needs to be covered if there's surprises if there's tradebacks if there's trade-ups we'll have all the strategy we'll have the understanding of what's going on and it will be most off uh, the thing is we'll be able to tell you why this particular player went at this time to this team. So uh, looking forward to another great uh, 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 weekend of coverage, not only on the fan, but with our friends at DallasCowboys.com.
1: Oh, I'm super excited for all of it. I'm also excited to hear what you're, oh, they took them, what we hear in the open every every show. What is the moment? What's the, oh, they took a moment that you were going to hear from Brian Broaddus this year?
3: When Kyle Pitts is there, yeah. When Kyle Pitts, yeah. When they, yeah. But he's there. Oh, they took him. Yeah, that's Ooh, that that's. Was, yeah, but that, that will be. A, that will we'll know they're going to take him. They know they're going to take him. Mm-hmm. So I mean,
0: what the are we? That was about? select. Yeah, Micah Parsons. Oh yeah.
3: Oh, they took yeah. him. <laughs> oh, oh they oh, took. Oh they
0: took. Tu- oh
1: they Uh-oh. took. <laughs> oh, well,
0: he could be good. He might be <laughs> yeah. good.
1: It could be. We'll be fine. I feel like we'll I feel we'll like qu- Quitty <laughs> Pay would probably be or like a a Zozo. Quiddy Pay. Quitty. Quitty. Mm.
3: Quiddy pay Quiddy pay would cause a a, a a big time disruption to our draft process I think
1: yeah <laughs> we, I think yeah. there would be a collective 10 seconds of silence in this room and then down the hall where you guys are there'll be another 10 seconds of silence I, a, in that
3: room and <laughs> let me tell you let me tell you this I've already got a folder with like the radio with like the higher ups for dropping an f-bomb on the radio and I yeah. think if that if it <laughs> happened again if they drafted quitty pay, I would have a second sheet of paper in that folder, and then mm. I would probably lose my job because I now have two sheets of paper that saying I dropped an F bomb on the air. Oh great. No. I didn't know
1: that first one even happened. I'm gonna have to go find that somewhere. Okay. We've got five it was, minutes. And it, left. and it
3: was about a player. Was it, it? it was about a player. It, it was, <laughs> okay. yeah, it was just, Paul Dawson from TCU. Guy asks me, he goes, What do you think about Paul Dawson? I go, F Paul Dawson. Oh. It went out on the air. So <laughs>
0: Because we were in a break, the guy back in the control room forgot to turn us off. It was
3: <laughs>
1: oh. It was probably it was zero. Forcing. That's but probably I, what it was. I,
3: I was right. F F Paul Dawson.
1: <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, Goodness shit, gracious. Sure. All right. Final predictions. Oh. We've got four minutes left. <laughs> Bucky, we'll start with you. Who will be the Dallas Cowboys selection at pick number ten?
2: Okay, so for so long, I've been saying that Pastor Ten is going to be the pick, right? And then I get reminded of this information from Jane Slater about the connection between Mike McCarthy and J.C. Horn's dad, Joe Horn. Joe Horn was the wide receiver in New Orleans when Mike McCarthy was there. He also was a player on Kansas City when I was there, and Mike McCarthy was a quarterback coach. And then they're talking about the connection with Dan Quinn and Mule Muschamp. So at 10... J.C. Horn is going to be the pick if he's on the board because of the familiarity and the relationship business. J.C. Horn, Cowboys. There you go. I will See, and people may be a
1: little disappointed in this. I think this is the better pick in terms of ceiling. It's just like Jeff and I talked about previously, and Brian's mentioned it as well, about how the floor from Patrick Sertan is just much higher than J.C. Horn. But, Brian, if this is the pick, Cowboys fans should be exceptionally excited. Uh, just over-the-top excited because this is a player you're going to get that's going to play a long time in the league.
3: Yeah, you are. You're going to get a player that's going to play an awful long time in the league. And, and the fact of how competitive he is, it's not just about playing Kyle Pitts, but you know we've talked about this kid will cover whoever your best receiver is coming off the bus. He is going to take that receiver. And so you have to like the fact that he's willing to go do that. He has a very short memory. If he gives up a play, he's right back at it. You know, all the great corners have that ability to, to put things in the past and to go forward. You know, we talk about, hey, and I got a discussion this morning with a guy about, well, they don't make plays on the ball. They don't intercept. Every bit of tape that I've been watching this year, all the ball production for some of these corners have been because of bad throws, throws at the end of half, Or a team's down 42-7 to and they're just throwing the football. So, you know, if you get your hands on the ball, give me the guy that's going to knock balls down. Mm. The turnovers, that's great. But turnovers are either like tip balls, overthrows, or just damn luck, you know? So, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan, those guys, if you ask me who I think they're going to take, I think they're going to take Sertan. And I'll tell you why they're going to take Sertan. J.C. Horn is going to be gone before they pick.
4: Wow! I think J.C.
3: Horn ends up in Carolina. I think J.C. Horn. I think J.C. Horn's the first defensive player off the board. I think Carolina takes him at eight, and then I think the Cowboys take Patrick Sertan at number ten, and I think every everybody will be just fine with that as well.
1: I think that's a good point because who knows, they go a different number of directions Carolina can, we had them taking Mac Jones that's probably unlikely at this point now that Sam Darnold's a part of the question but hey, uh, J.C. Horn could be in that conversation if they thought he was the best player on their board. Now Jeff you're the only one that hasn't given their their selection, who do you think the Cowboys will pick whenever tomorrow night rolls around?
0: Well I want us to be right you know, a collection, and so in honor of that, I just want to cast the net even wider instead of doubling on one of their picks. I will say Rashawn Slater. I just want to cover mm. more ground here. I'm going to okay. go Rashawn Slater. And why would Jerry you do that? Jerry said they take left tackles and turn them into all pros. They take left tackles and turn them into all pro guards. Well, I know who you're talking about when you say that. You're talking about Rashawn Slater. I'm throwing it out there just in case Horn and Tan are gone. We've got to cover more Cover more square footage here on the draft show,
1: Bucky. Wh- Bucky, why would this be a fan? <laughs> why would this be a great pick for the Cowboys if Rashawn Slater is the one taking a ten?
2: Because I think at some point we have to account for Tyron Smith and what he is, and he's an off-injured player who's going to be out of the lineup. If you're going to give your quarterback forty million dollars, you need to make sure that he's protected. Upgrade the offensive line. If you if you really pinpoint the issues that the offense had last year is because they couldn't protect and they couldn't get pushed. Invest in the offensive line, make sure that the offense is great. Then you can force opponents to chase points. That will help the defense because now the running game is off the table and now it's about hunting and keeping the ball in front of the defense. You wanna be a great team, the way Dallas can be great right away is to make sure that the offense puts up 30 and then they're just able to play bend but don't break defense. You don't need the defense to be great, you just need to be adequate.
3: You know, I think Bucky makes a great point. It not only helps your quarterback, it helps your running back as mm-hmm. well. It helps the offense overall. I, I, I do like what Jeff talked about because there could be a scenario we talked we, that we were saying that you lose both those corners. If all of a sudden Carolina takes a guy and, and Philadelphia knows that Carolina is going to take that player there, Carolina could go to Detroit and get that other corner. Yeah, that that if you're a Cowboy fan, you need to be prepared that teams know that you're hunting cornerbacks, and they might and they might say, okay, we got to get ahead of Dallas. And and once Carolina knocks off one, or once Philadelphia knocks off one, that whole thing with the offensive lineman uh, scenario uh, is clearly in play for this team.
1: So many scenarios that are in play, and man, I cannot wait for the the, the draft to finally be here. We're so close. The next time the draft show will be on air, we will all be in studio. Jeff and Brian will be in the building. They'll be down the hall. It's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited for all of this to kind of tune out. Bucky, really quickly, where can everybody find you on night one coverage of the draft?
2: So, night one coverage is draft. I'll be doing it on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Jay Glazer, myself, LeVar Arrington, and Kevin Burkhart will be anchoring that coverage. And then I'll be floating. I'll be doing all kinds of other stuff, just talking. Talking draft.
1: There you go. All over the place, big time with Kevin Burkhart and Jay Glazer. Look at Bucky Brooks. I love it. Maybe you got to put a tie on. I know it's radio, but the tie is, is certainly something you need to do. <laughs> Brian's shaking his head. He he knows it as well. He knows. No nah,
3: Buck, Bucky Bucky ain't wearing a tie. <laughs> Bucky ain't wearing a tie. But I, I'll tell you, what. no. Hey Bucky, no. hey, this whole thing, man. Really enjoyed working with you all this time, man. Really appreciate. No, you, it's man. been good. I really Brian. Do. It's been good. I appreciate that. It's I been a lot of fun. It. You
2: too, Jeff. It's been it's been fun um, having conversations and debates. That's all good. That's the room.
0: Honor and a privilege. It's sent been, to you, Kyle. It's been Not a. Not real sure about you yet. We'll fair. figure that out.
1: That's okay. It's only year two for me. I'll figure it out <laughs> down the road, I, I guess. I'll, I'll I'll be okay. We'll, we'll be back on. Uh I guess Thursday, tomorrow, 6 p.m. Central Time is when our coverage starts here on DallasCowboys.com. We will be in-studio, wall-to-wall coverage. Man, I cannot wait. But until then, for Chris Beam in the back, for Bucky Brooks, for Jeff Cavanaugh and Brian Brotis, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. Enjoy draft week, everybody. We'll see you this week on the draft show. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas
2: Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!